Thank you very much. Maybe we should first analyze a little bit why there is a tuition crisis now and we really didn't notice the crisis in previous uh, years, in previous generations. Uh, first of all, I think the Malamdim are paid a little better now than they were previously. Secondly, the sizes of the classes are much smaller than they used to be. So you need more teachers. Instead of having uh, 30 or 35 students in a class, you only have 20. And uh, thirdly, the families are larger, <coughs> and people have to pay so much more tuition. I don't think it would be a reasonable solution to do away with any one of these three considerations. If you're going, if you're going to cut back the uh, salary of the malamdim, you'll go back to what you had years ago, shvach malamdim. In, in the yeshivas in New York years ago, you had Mahalai Shabbos teaching Chumash, teaching Gemara to children. They themselves were not Shema Shabbos. They weren't committed, they weren't idealistically uh, dedicated to Chinuch, they just needed a Parnassah. So I don't think we should go back uh, to that situation. Uh, talented young men today who go into Chinuch can go into any other field. So if they're not going to be making a living unless they're extremely, extremely uh, motivated, They'll go to another, if they're not going to pay them a decent part, also they'll go to some other fields. I, I wouldn't suggest that we should uh, cut back the salary from the Malamdim. To have larger classes, in order to have uh, half the number of Mechanchim teaching in the schools, also not a Seichel. It has been established by the uh, secular boards of education all over the country, all over the world, that the smaller, if you have smaller classes, 20 or so instead of 30, so the teacher gets a chap more with all of the students and the students develop much better. There would not be Seychadik to go back to the old system to have uh, 30 or 35 students in a, in a class. To cut back and have smaller families, also Nishkan Seychad. There were so many millions of Jews who were killed in the Second World War. And we still didn't catch up to the number of uh, the Jewish world Jewish population at the time before the Second World War. Uh, some feel upset over the fact that uh, the Malamdim and the Yeshivas, the Mechanchim, are all given a tuition break and they have nine children and they send all their children to the school and they don't pay any tuition and they hardly, they pay next to nothing. So some feel, why should we give them such a big uh, tuition break? We should charge them more for their, for their children going to the school. I don't think that's Echel Dekita. You want to encourage good people to go into Chino, so you have to give them a, bec- a half-decent uh, salary. And part of that half-decent salary is that you have to give them a tuition break also. If this school is not going to give them, to give them a tuition break, they'll go teach in another school. There's nothing tying them down to this institution. They can always go somewhere else where the conditions are, are better. So I don't think that would solve, that would be helpful in solving the problem. Right now, because of the financial situation, in the United States, so many millions of people lost their jobs. So many people now are simply unable to pay tuition. They push it, don't make a living. So we have to, everyone has to try to help those people find jobs. Let's say uh, I'm, I'm a lawyer, and this fellow who lost his job is in computers. How can I find him a job? Or I'm in computers, and he's a lawyer. How can I help him find a job? True, I'm not in the same field that he's in. But we all have relatives. We all have uh, brothers-in-law and uh, nephews and cousins and so on we have chaverim from the shul we can help uh, help 
we can help find jobs for other people. We talk, uh, should uh, should try to work in that area. The problem now is uh, more serious because of the fact that many of the parents years ago, the parents who sent their children to day schools were committed parents. They were Shammah Shabbos. Now you have many parents not that committed, a borderline uh, commitment. And if we're going to leave the tuition the way it is now, these people will simply take their children out of the yeshivas and then send them to public schools. This will be a disaster for the whole Jewish community. The rate of assimilation is still going higher, and the rate of intermarriage is still going higher. And that's all we need, is to have more parents, uh, quite, quite a percentage of parents. And many yeshivas are, are not so uh, committed, they're not 100% committed to Yiddishkeit, so quite a percentage of parents are prepared to send their children to public school and then they'll be totally uh, lost to Yiddishkeit. Those parents who need a tuition break should not be embarrassed to ask for one. The first couple of years when I was uh, teaching in Yeshiva, I hardly made a parnasa. And I didn't feel embarrassed about asking. I, we sent all of our children to Breuer's. I didn't feel uncomfortable. I remember one of the... Uh, people in Breuer Shul was trying to encourage me to become a member of Breuer's and to pay uh, membership dues because uh, it was a hot election and they wanted me to vote. They thought that every vote counted. So they wanted me to become a member. So they said, don't you feel guilty davening in our shul not being a member? I said, no. I learned in yeshiva. I don't make a living. They said, don't you feel guilty? Your wife uses a mikveh and you don't become... I said, no. I don't feel guilty. A little. I never felt guilty not becoming a member of the shul. I used their mikveh. I used their shul. I sent my children to the yeshiva, I did not feel guilty. Whoever really needs the tuition break should not feel guilty. Whoever doesn't need it should take, uh, pay the tuition. The Rambam writes, based on the Gemara, that uh, not only are, are the parents, not only is the father obligated to pay for the tuition of the children, uh, the paternal grandfather is also mukhiyif to pay. Okay? There's, uh, some of the yeshivas in Lakewood will send tuition bills to the paternal grandfather and have printed on the bottom of the bill this passage from the Rambam <laughs> that the Rambam quotes the Gemara that the paternal grandfather is mukhif to pay the tuition okay if you can get him to pay that's wonderful uh, let's say you have a couple where the husband works the wife does not work and the husband just barely uh, ekes out a parnasa would we would, does the tuition committee have the right to insist that the wife should get a job also or does she have the right to say I want to stay home and be a full time mother I and my wife both work. For many years, my wife always worked. From day number one, when we got married, we didn't have children right away. It took us quite a while till we had children, and we were blessed with nine children and many grandchildren. My wife always worked, but I can, I can appreciate a couple where the wife insists she wants to be a full-time mother. She does want to go to work. I don't think it's right for the tuition committee to insist that the wife should go get a job in order to be able to pay the full tuition. Some Shaila was raised, what if the child himself has a summer job and he makes a few dollars? Is it right that the tuition committee should insist that the child should pay for his own tuition? I think that's a little unreasonable, it's a little ridiculous. You'll just kill the child's incentive to go to yeshiva to make money. You have to let the child keep the money that he earns and not to make him pay tuition. You have to let him keep that money in a savings account and, and whatever. All the tuition committees are always faced with this problem and all the yeshivas that their parents go away for the summer territory so and they spend, they spend thousands and thousands of dollars renting an apartment and flying territory Israel. 
they go away for Pesach to all these hotels. They told me that there are approximately a hundred different places this Pesach where Orthodox Jews can go, that it's glad kosher for Pesach. So if the parents are taking the whole family away to Eretz Yisrael, they're going, uh, or they send the child to a most expensive uh, sleepaway camp in the summertime, or they're going to expensive, most expensive hotel for Pesach, do the parents have the right to ask for tuition break? Of course they don't. That's utterly ridiculous. What right do they have to spend money on absolute luxuries? And I was growing up, I never went to camp. My parents could never afford, my father was in the rabbinate, he just barely made a living. We never went to camp. Our summer uh, vacation was, one summer I spent with this aunt and uncle, the other summer I spent with the other aunt and uncle, the other summer I spent with the other aunt and uncle. That's all. One, one uncle taught me how to, how to drive, the other uncle taught me how to ride a bicycle, each uncle and aunt taught me different things. There was no summer camp, but if, if you can't afford it, say so you don't, you have to pay tuition. It's not right. You have the children go to school. Each child has a cell phone and each child has an iPod and they waste all the money on all these Navishkaik and all the luxuries and the parents want to break in tuition. That's right. The $25 or the $125 or the $1,000 that they can save by cutting out all the cell phones and all the iPods. They should give that money to the yeshiva. Every penny counts. I think the tuition committees are correct and not agreeing to give um, a break to such parents. And of course, the parents are going to Taina that the grandparents are the ones who are paying for the trip in Eretz Yisrael. The grandparents live in Eretz Yisrael. The grandparents are going to the hotel for Pesach, so they're paying for the hotel on Pesach. So the parents should refuse to go to the hotel. They should tell the grandparents, we cannot go to the hotel rather than spend another $30,000 to have the whole family at the hotel. You should give the money as a donation to the yeshiva. You have a lot of times parents live in the most luxurious home, and of course they can't afford the tuition because of the monthly payments that are, that are uh, due on their home. So I don't think it's unreasonable for the tuition committee to insist. Let the parents sell their home and move to a smaller home where the payments will be uh, less. If a person can't afford it, say so move to a smaller home. Why should, why should the yeshiva be the first one to lose? I think it's a double partial like that. Many parents, many families don't know how to manage their assets. When they go shopping, so they buy the most expensive things, they don't know how to buy in bulk, they don't know how to save money. So, so if the co- tuition committee sees that that's the case. So we have organizations which should help the people guide the families how to, how to shop uh, with Seichel. They have organizations like that, local organizations here, they have in Eretz different places. We have, to, we have to show them how they should uh, shop with Seichok, how they should uh, spend their money properly. We have to help them. The Rav mentioned earlier that there are kedimas, there are priorities in giving tzedakah. The Gemara learns that from Sukim, that just a few days ago somebody came to me from Eretz Yisrael and from a, from a legitimate tzedakah and I made out a check which was less than half than what I gave last year. So he says, how you talking? How can you do that? They had the headlines in the newspaper in Eretz Yisrael in the name of Rabbi Yashiv that site so said because there are local yeshivas who need the money. So I have to give, for so many years we were all supporting all its dockers in Eretz Yisrael and now the local yeshivas are holding by collapsing. So I'm, I'm, I have to give much, money to the, much more money to the local schools. So this fellow tells me, this Mishal tells me, but they had in the headlines in the newspaper in Eretz Yisrael that I need Eretz Yisrael to take precedence over Aniyah Yircho, and this is quoted in the name of Rabbi Yashiv. So I told him it's not true, because it says in Shulchanach, not so. Rabbi Yashiv knows what it says in Shulchanach. It says in Shulchanach, it's not so. For many years, 
we always used to say, Avertu, but it's not correct, we used to say, all the Jews are considered honorary citizens of Eretz Yisrael, and therefore, Ani Eretz Yisrael are considered the same as Ani Yircha. But when you look in Shulchan Aruch, you see that that Vertel is not correct. We're not considered honorary yet, but we're not considered uh, citizens of Eretz Yisrael. First come Ani Yircha, and after Ani Yircha, then come Ani Eretz Yisrael. Within Ani Eretz Yisrael, Ani Yerushalayim takes precedence. But Ani Yircha certainly takes precedence. What does it mean, takes precedence? So the Peschei in his commentary on the Shulchan Aruch, on the bottom of the page, quotes from earlier Poskim, it doesn't mean that you give all of your money to the Ani and you give nothing to anybody else. No, there's a certain percentage of your, the amount, whatever amount of money that you want to give to Tzedakah, a certain percentage should stay among the Ani and the rest can go to the next level. So what is that percentage? So the Pizchei says three quarters and one quarter. If I make X amount of money and I, want, and I can give so much money as Tzedakah, so three quarters of that money, if necessary, if, not, if, if you live in an affluent uh, community and, and the yeshivas are rolling in dough, and there are no aniyim, so, give, so don't give any money to aniyim. There are no aniyim, and no needs. Okay, so give all the money. There it is, fine. But if you have aniyim, so, and if it's necessary, so up until three quarters of the money should remain by aniyim, and one quarter should go to Eretz Yisrael. Now, Moshe Feinstein has a little different. He thinks that it's two-thirds and one-third. That's a go- two-thirds should remain uh, in your community. What does it mean exactly, Aniya Yircha? So Aniya Yircha doesn't mean I live in Manhattan. Aniya Yircha doesn't mean what, according to the laws of Tchum Shabbos, is considered one city. We have Dinim in Hilcha Shabbos, what's considered one city? We have Dinim in Irani Dachas, what's considered all part of the same city. So I don't think it means all the people in Manhattan, all the people in New York City are considered Aniyircha. Aniyircha means the people or the organizations that I have a shaykhus with. There's so many Aniyim in, in Washington Heights so I have no shaykhus with. I don't even know who they are. I don't think they're considered Aniyircha. Aniyircha means those Aniyim whom I bump into. I see them in shul, I see them in the street. Those are called Aniyircha. Somebody came to me today, he's representing the Kloisenberger Yeshiva. Kloisenberger Rebbe is a holy tzaddik. The present Rebbe is also a holy tzaddik. I have no shaykhs with the Kloisenberger Rebbe. I, t- I told this uh, Mishulach. I once heard the previous Kloisenberger Rebbe speak at the Siyam Ashas in the Madison Square Garden. That's my whole shaykhs with the Kloisenberger Rebbe. I'm not mechuyim. It's not, it's not, I don't think that's called Aniyah Yircha because they have probably several thousand students learning in the yeshivas in Borough Park or Flatbush or wherever it is in Muncie. I don't know. They have several branches in there. So, even over here, I don't think that's Aniyah. I have no shaykhs with them. Aniyah Yircha, the yeshivas where my children went, the yeshivas where my children in law study, the yeshivas where my grandchildren learned, the yeshivas in Eretz Yisrael, where my children are my children in law study. These are all Aniyah Yircha, the yeshivas, the institutions where I have a shaykhus with. There's so many mikvahs in Manhattan. So every mikvah is Aniyah Yircha. The mikvah that my wife used, that's Aniyah Yircha. That, uh, I'm going to support that. But uh, I don't think I'm going to support the... Uh, uh, all of the people, all of the institutions, are all of the Aniyim in Manhattan. In fact, I think I have much shaykhs to Tinek. I think the people in Tinek and the yeshiva here in Tinek is Aniyircha for me. I associate with the people here much more than I associate with the people in Brooklyn and in Flatbush and so on and so forth. So I think, as far as I'm concerned, this is my Aniyircha. So I'm talking cutting down for many years. 
we were all support. All of us were supporting all the causes in Eretz Yisrael, the Anim and all the yeshivas and everything, thinking that all of the causes over here are all taken care of. But we see that it's not true. It's, it's not. It's not correct. We have to keep more money in the Aniyah Yercha for the for the yeshivas for the local yeshivas, which we have a shaykhs to. True, the poskim say in Pischitshu and the other poskim say that this din Aniyah Yercha take precedence to Aniyah Yercheres only applies if we're dealing with the same level of need. Let's say, they both need food to put on the table, or they both need clothing to wear. But if the the people in your city need Shabbos shoes, need bread and water, they don't have any, any money to buy the basic necessities of, of food, so then their need is greater, so, they, so their need takes precedence. But I don't think that's the situation. If we have a concern over here, which is a serious concern, it's not a joke, that many parents, the tuition keeps on going higher and higher, many parents are simply going to take their children out of the yeshivas and put them in the public schools. This will be a disaster for the whole Jewish community here. The rate of assimilation, the rate of intermarriage is going to go higher and higher. So I think this is a, such a significant surah. I think we have to, unfortunately, we have to forget about the Aniyim in Eretz Yisrael who need all that food, they need the basic necessities of life. We have to take care of the Aniyim. We have to give, we have to see to it that the three quarters of whatever we're giving should remain over here. We really have such a great Tzorech. There's always a local yeshiva, let's say I live in Washington Heights, so you have broyers or, or yeshivas here. So many of the children come from the community, and some of the children come from outside of the community. So much of the support that people give to yeshivas goes to pay for the scholarships for those that come from other communities. So are they considered aniyah or are they considered aniyah acheres? To give money for scholarships for children from out of town, or going to the local schools. They don't really live over here. So I think it's obvious if every school needs a, a critical mass, a minimum number of students in order to be able to function. You can't have a school with 50 students. You have to have a, a large school. So if we need the, the students from the out of town in order to make our school a, reason, a reasonable size, then I think they're all called on, the, then everyone's scholarship is considered on the Yerucham, even though it's from out of town. But if you have a big school, and the school is big enough. We don't really need the students from out of town. But the school attracts students from out of town as well. So then I think the paying for the tuition for the students out of town is really That's not really True, my yeshiva is my institution. But the institution could have functioned well without all of those students from out of town. So I think we really, we really have to see to it that if we're supporting the local uh, yeshivas and we're giving to the scholarship fund, the kadima should, should be given to those students from, from the local families as opposed to, to those from the families from out of town. Many people already committed themselves to give large sums of money to this yeshiva, to that yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael. And now they find out, now they come to the realization that they're in violation of the Allah, outright in violation of the Allah. The Allah says he's supposed to give three quarters or two-thirds, whatever, of your money to the Aniyah Yirchas. What do you do if you took a netter? So everybody knows before election time in Eretz Yisrael, so they have certain Rabbanim go on TV, and they say that even if you took a netter that you're going to vote for uh, a certain party, 
uh, you can be mat a netter and you make a public hatars and dar because uh, it's a netter le dvaravera, whatever. So that's a little bit of a guzma. But over here, it's not a guzma. Over here, that's taket din. You're supposed to leave either two thirds or three quarters of your money for the aniyah yircha, for the local yeshivas, for the local nitzrachim. So many people lost their jobs, so the literal aniyah forget about yeshivas, the local anim have to be taken care of. There is an institution of Hatoras and Dar. So even if a person took a nether, he should really be Mata Nether. He'll pay the money out uh, instead of paying it out in th- five years, he'll have to pay it out in 15 years to the other yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael. And he should give a higher percentage of it stuck it to the local causes because the lo- that's the halacha. That's considered a nether uh, in violation of it then. A lot of the grandparents already paid tuition for all of their children all the years, and their children are already parents now, so they feel we already paid our, uh, we re- we've already paid through the nose all the years, so they feel they're not obligated to support the local yeshivas. I don't think this is right. The obligation is to support the local Torah institutions. It's a chavis hatzibur to see to it that the families and the community, even if my, children, my grandchildren go to other schools now, and I want to support all of those other schools. My grandchildren live all over different places in Eretz Yisrael, in America, but still, I still have to support the local day school, the local yeshiva where I send my children, even though none of my children are studying there now. That's still called on the Yericho. We all have an obligation to support the Zechavis HaTzibor, to support uh, the local institution. We have many special needs children. This is also a Zechavis HaTzibor to take care of that. Just before I spoke, just uh, two minutes before I spoke, someone told me that uh, they sent out letters that one of the uh, local schools for children with special needs raised their tuition more than 30% or something. That's unbelievable. It's unreasonable to expect of a parent that he should, that he should take on a whole job just to support one child. They have to, they have to support the child. You can't, you can't be mafka the children with special needs autistic children or retarded children, whatever. You can't be mafkated children. The Jewish community has an obligation to have institutions, to have schools for these children also. It'd be an obligation to insist that, that the parents should send these children to public schools. Sometimes you're just forcing them into doing that. So the children will lose the whole shmiris and mitzvahs. They'll lose the whole yushka. That's a disaster. In the yeshivas, in all of the schools that we have, we have special advanced courses in math and in English and in history for those who are mitzuyonim. It's just a small percent of them. Every school has to have that. And we, have, uh, we spend money for the basketball uh, team, which is also just a small percentage of the students. So here also we have to have schools for the special needs children, even though it's a very small percentage of the population. Uh, but nonetheless, that's a chayvesat sibur. That's uh, necessary. The whole sibur has to support such a, such a project. Allah says that we cannot count as Maisek Sofim that money that we have to pay as tuition for our children. If the school, uh, Rabbi Breuer, Zahanavar, he used to tell uh, parents that the uh, full tuition that people pay is really more than is necessary to pay for their children. Those who pay full tuition, so a certain percentage, 5-10%, whatever, of their tuition that they pay, really goes to pay for the scholarships of the other children. So that's really a donation to the yeshiva. That's not really considered tuition. So he used to tell the Balabatim that there's a certain percentage. You have to ask each school, each school what that percentage is. There's a certain percentage of what they give for tuition which they have the right to count for my Sofim. But I don't think people have to be so worried about the my Sofim. I don't know if people keep on asking me about the my Sofim. 
Shulchan Aruch, there are three different opinions. One opinion is that Maisek Sofim is a biblical obligation. The second opinion, Maisek Sofim is a mitzvah of the Rabbanon. And the generally accepted opinion is that it's neither of the above, it's a minik toiv. It's recommended for people who can afford it. If a person can afford Maisek Sofim, so let him give Maisek Sofim. I know wonderful uh, people, married already for uh, 20 years with marriage, they never were able to give Maisek Sofim. Boys are learned. I remember when they got married, and they learned in the Kailul, so they would ask me about my success. He used to tell them over what the Mashgiach used to say, Rabbi Lesson, he used to tell the boys, when they would get married, so he would wait two weeks and then walk over to the students and then he would say two instructions. First of all, he, he thought that it's back in Slavotka. So he would tell the boys, make sure that you take your wife for a walk once in a while. He thought it's Slavotka. And then he gave the second instruction, don't you dare to try to give Maisek Sofim, you just be matriarch, your parents or your in-laws to give you more support. You have no right to do that. So when a boy is learning in the Kailo, no one's making any money. Or his wife has a part-time job, he has a part-time job, he's tutoring a little bit, teaching a little bit here and there, just barely makes ends meet, so there's an obligation to give Maisek Sofim. The Allah says you have to give, the Gemara learns that from the Pasuk, that the annual obligation is to give Shlishas HaShekel, Every year, shlishes hashekel is peanuts. Uh, Five dollars is more than enough shlishes hashekel. If you give less than that, yet not, not yet to the mitzvah tzedak. If a person is a multi-millionaire, then he's not yet to with the shlishes hashekel. He has to give more according to how much he can afford. So we assume that usually a person is earning a normal parnasa, so he he can probably part with my uh, success. If you can't, you can't. I don't think we have to be so concerned about uh, figuring out, calculating the my success. People want to know what about shul membership, whether that counts for my sixth So, my impression was that you can dive in the shul without becoming a member. So the, so the membership is not to an if, let's say, use of the mikveh. So they charge everyone for using the mikveh. So that's a fee, that's a charge. So, so that doesn't count for my sixth Let's say, I buy a lulav and esri. You have to have a you have to have trillin, you have to have a talis. So that doesn't count for my sixth but let's say shul membership, I could dive in the shul without becoming a member. So membership in the shul is a donation. You're supporting the shul. So I think that does count as, a, as my sofim. But I don't think we have to be so concerned about the my sofim. If a person can't afford it, so he doesn't give the my sofim. I give way more than my sofim. It's not that I'm so cheap on the my I give way more. But I don't think that people have to be so concerned about that. Every school, in order to be able to compete with the other yeshivas, has no braira. They have to have a basketball team, they have to have a computer section. When one donates for the computers, so this is someone wants to know, is that considered a tzedakah? Can you take that off a tzedakah? That's a secular. Yeah, of course it's considered tzedakah. All of the needs of the yeshiva are considered a tzedakah. Without the computer system, you're not going to be able to succeed in having a school. Many people are so surprised with the high tuitions so they're interested in knowing where is all of their money disappearing. They think that the, the principal of the school may be probably making a quarter of a million dollars a year. I think there's one principal in the whole United States of America making a quarter of a million dollars a year. It's not in the New York area. Nowhere near New York City. None of the principals are rolling in dough. And none of the rabbis, yeshiva pays very nicely. Yeshiva pays me very nicely. But in yeshiva's katanas and so on, the rabbis are not paid that much. If the parents are so concerned that they think uh, that the tuition is unreasonable, so I think uh, upon request, the menial of the yeshivas should make available to them a breakdown of the school's uh, expenses. Why not? 
you should make a list how many students are on are on uh, scholarship the parents would be surprised to see how many are on the full scholarship or post scholarship and so on how much money comes in from tuition how much money what's the percentage of the money that comes in from donations and so on how much money is spent on on salaries and so on and uh, I think the parents' concerns would be, uh, uh, they would calm down when they realize that uh, the school is not throwing out money, they're not wasting money. I don't think too much of there is waste in all the yeshivas, but I don't think there's that much waste, and that's not the reason why there's a crisis now. So I think they should make this uh, information available upon request. I don't know if it makes sense to send it out in the mail every year to have an annual report. This I don't know. But, uh, but they should certainly make it uh, available upon request. Whoever wants to see the breakdown of the, of the expense of the school, why not? I think that is reasonable. Very important is we have to learn to cut down on all of our luxurious weddings and bar mitzvahs. And we are just talking before about certain weddings and about certain bar mitzvahs where people will rent a whole hotel in order to have a weekend bar mitzvah. That's uh, scandalous. If you have so much money, so make a small wedding and give a donation to the yeshiva. You have money to burn, so give you $50,000, give you $100,000 to the yeshiva. The yeshivas are choking. That's terrible. It's a bigger mitzvah. We really have to work. The long-range plan has to be, we have to try to see to it, not only not to raise the tuition, we have to lower the tuitions. If we would have lower tuitions, we would have more parents sending their children to the yeshivas. The way to lower the tuition is to emphasize more donations. You have to have more people donating money to the yeshivas. Then you be, whatever you give as a donation, you certainly can take over as a tax deduction. And that you have a right to count as your Maisek Sofim again. I don't think you have to be so worried about the Maisek Sofim, but those who are so uh, obsessed with the Maisek Sofim, so if, if the tuition is going to be lower, and, uh, and the, the bulk of the budget will be covered with donations, other rather so. Whoever gives a donation can take it off as his tax deduction on his uh, income tax and can certainly count it from the Maisek Sofim. So that's what we have to, that's the long-range print. That, that's the long-range print that we have to really work on to see to it that the Jewish community, like the public schools, uh, they don't charge tuition to the people who go to public school. Everybody pays taxes to the government and the government supports all the public schools. So we should see to it that the tuition should be minimal in all the yeshivas, or perhaps no tuition at all. That would be Gavaldic. And all the yeshivas should be run on donations and we'll have many more students we have the problem of intermarriage and assimilation is getting worse and worse not getting better the only way to take care of that is by giving uh, more Jewish children uh, Jewish education maybe if there's some specific questions to address either to Rabbi Willig or myself maybe we'll entertain questions about opening the charter school afternoon charter school for our kids that where the, they from the morning they can go in yeshiva and when we pay half of the money and then we'll do charter school afternoon for our kids which will pay for government I haven't studied the proposal uh, it would have to be studied very carefully to make sure that there are no, uh, no loopholes there look however you can save money you have to save money but the rabbonim, the local rabbonim, would have to look into it. Um, I was just in Florida a month ago, speaking there for one of the stock organizations in America, and uh, and uh, they were talking there about some charter school that they're trying to make, and the rabbonim are opposed to it. It could be as different in every city. I don't know. Question? Yes, sir. 
to you um, much fun, man. So you know my family from Washington Heights, and you know the fact that my parents' generation, I would say 75, 80%, 90% went through uh, public school education, and then they went to um, a super program or a common program, program in the afternoon, and Rogers is full of wonderful body bodies. Why can't that system work today? I went to public school also, when my family lived in the Philadelphia. My father was a rabbi, but uh, my father didn't have a car, and he couldn't afford to send me by taxi to the local day school, which was in South Philadelphia. And I was too young to go by trolley, so I had no brainers. So I had to go to public school until I was old enough to go on the trolley by myself, and my father would teach me afterwards. So it turned out okay, because my parents and your, your parents' generation were extremely committed, extremely committed with Mr. Snappish for Yiddish guy. But by most people, if you're going to send the children to public school, they'll just totally assimilate. They intermarry, not totally assimilate. Today, uh, the goyim are much more welcoming. So there's a bigger problem of assimilation. It's not like years ago that there was so much anti-Semitism. There was less of a problem of assimilation. I think today, it'll just uh, the whole Jewish community will collapse. Children, that are in your children, that are in yeshiva already, but, but you really reach your limit. It's either have no more children or have more children, but they'll probably have to go to public school. Halakha, what's, what's the right way? Rabbi Willis spoke about that. I don't know. I, I don't think it's right. I don't think it's right to keep on having children. I mean, someone comes to so they have 17 children, and I'm okay to support them. So I say, idiot, who told you to have 17 children? <laughs> you don't make a living. Where's your seichel? I think it's ridiculous. I, I, I don't think that's right. I think, I don't know, I'm, I can't put words into Rabbi Willig's mouth. I think what he meant was, if they think that they may not be making enough of a parnasa, but if you know that you can't afford it, if you know you can't afford it, nisht is nisht, so you don't have more children, you have no prayer. Yes. <coughs> um, who will support the yeshivas near Israel, especially the yeshivas that children or our communities go to post high school? Okay, so that's on the Yircha that we have to support. But I'm not mukhif to support the Klosenberg Yeshiva in Eretz I'm not mukhif to support the Klosenberg Yeshiva in New York either. That's not on. That's that's on the last twenty five percent. If I have twenty five percent to give to Ani Yerachares, okay, so we'll negotiate about that. But the, but the seventy five percent should remain by the Ani Yircha. I don't know, some of the yeshivas in Eretz Yisrael, they're making marble walls and marble floors. Here the yeshivas can't pay the, uh, they can't pay the salaries of their rabbis. So how can you say that uh, the, the stock organizations and so take precedence? So is it a, when you calculate this three quarters and one quarter, should I do it for each month or for the expectations for the coming year or based on what was last year? How do I know... However, I would assume you make a cheshman and it's not going to be that much of a difference. Make a cheshman, how much do you think you're going to earn in the course of the year? Approximately. Make a bold suggestion. On, on Sunday, people come very often to show up in the neighborhood to collect. And people give out whatever they give out, $100 uh, the whole day, $200 the whole day. The first check in the morning, they give out $100, should be $75 to Project Ezra, to local yeshiva. And then the remaining 25 we distribute, anticipating you'll have 5, 6, 10 visitors uh, the rest of the day. For the 75% of your stocker that should stay local, what percentage should go to the yeshiva versus Project Ezra or the Mikvah or other parts? 
You have to ask the local rabbanim who know how badly the yeshivas need money, how badly Project Ezra needs money, to figure out what percentage of that goes to what, to which I I'm sure no two communities are the same. Yeah, I wanted to ask um, what the halakha would be, what the feeling is, if there was a, a family that actually had uh, financial need, they went to the school and requested financial aid, and uh, they didn't go on these fancy vacations, they didn't send their kids to camp. Um, what is your feeling about the uh, administration of the school saying something to the children about the obligation to the parents? What do you mean saying something to the children? Parents are not fulfilling their obligation to the school. Why? Because they gave them a tuition break? No, because they weren't able to pay. They weren't able to pay. The families, the parents were not able to pay. They paid as much as they can. And the school administration, the school financial uh, officers went to the children saying that the parents are not fulfilling their obligations. Sounds so repugnant, it has to be hypothetical. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, it really happened. See, when I sent my children to Breuer's, they never asked me any cashes, they never asked me any questions, they realized they have to give me a tuition. I never felt guilty, and now I try to pay back all of that money that I never paid in the tuition all of those years. We try to raise money from others, and we try to give from our own money. The school never said anything to my children. Are you talking that your parents are taking a tuition break? Hmm? Question from the side. Yes, sir. Two questions. One, Akana, Ali and I have the minor class, Historically, there were always Takanas, not to spend more than a certain amount on a wedding, not to spend more than a certain amount on a bar mitzvah. Throughout all the ages, the Jews always made such takonis. And uh, by the Hasidic, should they still make the takonis like that now? Yeah, we should. The Rabbanim have to supervise all the, all the schools. Every school has a board of education. They have Rabbanim, so they should supervise it to make sure that the expansions are within reason. Is it really necessary? They're stand the coating uh, the floors with gold, with marble, whatever has to be within reason. If it's necessary, they have more children, so other rabbis, so they should make more, yeah, more buildings. Go, call That's a serious consideration. For many years, the reason why they insist on having Lamudi Kodesh in the morning is because the children are more alert in the morning and we want them to be more alert when they're learning Torah. But uh, in other institutions, we see that it is working out. So in each community, the Rabbanim have to consider that possibility. If that'll, if that'll succeed in saving a few thousand dollars, other Rabbanim. So the Rabbanim should consider that possibility. It's not, it's not very ridiculous. I found that situation sometimes people are out of work and legitimately uh, difficult straits, and they have certain amount of money that's put away, uh, bank accounts and so on, which if they withdraw now to pay their house, it can be early withdrawal penalties and so on. How do we question in the amount of money people have going to put away? They should explain this to the tuition board and they should say, uh, after the CD is up, they'll, uh, they'll pay them a few thousand dollars. Okay. I don't think they have to undertake uh, penalties in order to pay now. If they're good for the money next year, so it's also good. Uh, 
She became the best. Any questions over here? All resolved. In many of our yeshivot, they also teaching, besides being with the college, they teach math, they teach history, they teach other things. Um, we, when we pay the tuition, we also, in addition to that, we pay through our real estate taxes, we pay for the uh, public schools. So don't you think, as a community, we should pursue to have governmental funding, at least to cover the non-Likmudi college? You have to consult so the organization. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Good. Question on this Question. Yeah. The mentioned that perhaps there may be a system, and I think the person is alluding to it, whereby there um, everybody gives a certain amount towards the pool of money that would cover the yeshiva system. Are the leaders of the community considering um, approaching some sort of system and how? They're going to have to. We're going to have no choice. We're going to have to lower the tuition. This is ridiculous. We're going to have to lower tuition by relying more on donations. We're going to have to ask all of the wealthier Jews to support the local institutions and lower the tuition. We have no choice. We're going to have to do that. If there are no other questions, then uh, we're adjourned.